0: Section eighty-nine of the inheritance by Susan Edmundstone Ferrier. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volume three, chapter eighteen. Fair, seemly, plaisance each to other makes with goodly purposes there as they sit. Fairy Queen, a name unmusical to Volskian ears and harsh in sound to thine shakespeare bellevue was her first destination for she could now endure to meet anne since she found her conduct was not viewed in the light she feared it would have been she was welcomed by mrs black with even more than her wonted cordiality and having dismissed the children who were in the room with her she immediately started the subject of anne's marriage prefacing her observations with a deep sigh or rather groan i am sure we were all much obliged to you my lady for refusing to give them your church i was in great hopes that might have put an end to the thing altogether and i really believe it would if it had not been for mr lindsay folk are really ill employed sometimes when they think they're doing good and it would maybe be just as well if there was less of that kind of interference in the world as mr black says let ilka sheep hang by its ain shank and it might have been long enough before william leslie would have got a kirk and in that time there's no saying what might have happened but now her father's just weary and sick of the subject and he has given his consent and what could he do else so it will be all over soon now and mrs black heaved another sigh i trust they will both be very happy said gertrude it may be so said mrs black coldly but it will be but a waif kind of happiness very different from her two sisters who want for nothing and both keep their own carriages but i must always think her family are little obliged to mr lindsay anne's entrance put a stop to her mother's lamentations and gertrude was then strictly questioned as to all she had seen or heard of mrs larkins who mrs black seemed to think must from her own account be a very distinguished personage in london lady Rossville made no attempts to undeceive her but gave as flattering a picture as she could of the Larkins' prosperity upon hearing that her cousin was going to walk to barnford to visit her aunts the countess offered her a seat in her carriage which she willingly accepted of while anne went to make ready mrs black again returned to the charge and again expressed her own and mr black's gratitude for the friendly part she had acted in refusing the kirk as for this marriage said she i've no heart to make any ploy of it so i shall ask nobody the lads may come out to it if they like but i'm very doubtful if the major and his lady will countenance it gertrude was on the point of offering to attend but just then anne returned and they set off no sooner were they alone than anne began to repeat her acknowledgments for what had been done had it not been for mr lindsay said she i know not what would have become of us for my mother had resolved upon sending me to london to live with my sister in hopes that a change might have been wrought in my sentiments but it would have served no purpose but to render us both unhappy for the love that is founded in religion and virtue cannot change no said gertrude i do not think the love could have been true that any circumstances could ever change it is perhaps sometimes difficult to distinguish false from true said anne but i am sure whoever mr lindsay loves he will love truly and whoever loves him will love for ever and i he is made a warm advocate in you said lady rossville smiling ah he deserves much more than i can say of him had you but seen with what warmth and kindness he entered into our affairs and how feelingly he sympathized in our disappointment and how vexed he seemed upon your account too upon my account exclaimed gertrude while a glow of conscious shame suffused her cheek how what could he say for me he did not say much but when my father and mother argued from your having otherwise disposed of the church that you were opposed to our union he disclaimed that idea altogether and said that although you had inadvertently made an engagement which you thought you could not break yet he was sure you suffered more than any of us did and he said it in a way that showed how much he felt for you it is in sorrow then and not in anger that he thinks of me thought gertrude but there was something more humiliating in the one than the other she could have made overtures to be reconciled but she could not sue to be forgiven and she sought to steel herself against the repentance that her cousin's recital had awakened in her breast, as anne was about to renew the grateful theme the countess abruptly changed the conversation and as they were then in sight of uncle adam's mansion she proposed to pay him a visit to which anne timidly assented not having had the courage to encounter him since her marriage had been made known to him they were received as usual in a very doubtful sort of way by mr ramsay gertrude's looks commonly softened his asperities by recalling the image of his lizzie and it was so long since he had seen her that he would have almost hailed her appearance had not the rumor of her engagement with colonel delmore reached his ears and caused them to tingle to the very drum with indignation she looked pale and out of spirits too and less like lizzie than usual so that he was ready to take the field against her especially as he saw that she had got a new and more splendid equipage and her dress was something he was not accustomed to see pass his windows every day i cannot say london has improved you said he scarcely looking at her i dinna think i wad hae kent you if i had met you if that's a you have made by it, i think you would have been just as weel at Hain, much better i believe said lady Rossville with a sigh she did not intend London is not the place for either light-heads or light-purses like mine uncle adam thought this savored of an attack upon his hordes and he resented it accordingly aye light-heads mac light-purses and it's best they should keep company we ain anither lady rossville only smiled at this rebuff then said well as you don't seem to make my light-head and my light purse very welcome here is a light heart that i hope will please you better pointing to anne whose happy blooming face and little simply dressed figure formed quite a contrast to the countess's pale complexion dissatisfied expression and elegant but fanciful style of dress oo ay, sweethearts are ay light hearts but maybe that's ower light a word for you and your dominie I dinna ken what you religious folk call yourselves, hey, ye ony godly name that you carry on your courtships with. Poor Anne blushed as she answered in some confusion that her uncle might call her what he pleased. And if I should call you twa great fools, demanded he. Perhaps you will only call us by our right names, said Anne, with a smile. There's some modesty at least in that said uncle adam more benignly but what did you mean by carrying on this hidlin courtship o yours, say lang i never heard a word up till i heard it frae your father last week i thought it unnecessary to trouble you upon a subject which did not interest you said anne how did you ken whether it would interest me or no i suppose if i had had a kirk in my aught you wad hae thought it very interesting, then as his attention was attracted to the carriage moving forward that's a fine oot set for a minister's wife or else no to be riding up and down the country in a phaeton and fower and her twa flunkies but at that moment the waddell carriage took the place of the rossville one and mrs major herself appeared in all her pomp and bustle this is very hard muttered mr ramsay as he turned to and fro that i canna ca ma my ain but mrs major now entered in a very slow solemn interesting manner and as if much fatigued by the exertion of walking from her carriage to the house she seated herself immediately on her entrance and then held out her hand first to uncle adam who would not take it next to lady Rossville with an affectionate shake and lastly to anne whom she scarcely touched this is the second time i have been out said she speaking in a languid affected tone and applying a smelling bottle to her nose and i feel quite fatigued with the exertion of walking from the carriage here i am sorry to hear you have been unwell said lady rossville nothing serious i hope good gracious lady rossville exclaimed mrs waddell roused into energy have you forgot that i have been confined oh i-i beg pardon said gertrude as some confused notion darted across her brain of having heard of some such event when in london the major announced it to mrs st clair i know said the lady yes very true i forgot but i-and you must have seen it in the papers i know the major sent it to all the papers he had very little to do observed uncle adam what paper do you get demanded mrs major determined to dive to the bottom of this mystery i seldom read any but the morning post and was it not there perhaps very likely i dare say it was but-you know if it had been there you must have seen it and it wasn't a thing to overlook i must let the major know that and have it inquired into i know he sent it to every one of the papers i know that perfectly lady Rossville now thought she recollected mrs st clair mentioning an heir to the race of waddell's and by way of atoning for her lapse she said i hope your little boy is quite well boy exclaimed the still more exasperated lady it happens to be a girl and i assure you the major and i were much better pleased we were both very anxious for a girl for although where there is a title in the family it is natural to wish for a son yet we both think it is of the greatest consequence the eldest should be a girl so it was a great gratification to us it was just what we wanted very true i beg your pardon but the outraged mother turned towards mr ramsay i am come uncle to make a request in the name of my little miss who we must really think of having christened some of these days as the major is an episcopalian we will of course have it done according to that service and we hope you will kindly officiate as godfather upon the occasion at this proposal uncle adam looked black as night fierce as ten furies and he seemed on the point of uttering some awful anathema when suddenly checking himself he said in one of his alarmingly mild tones i nay great ejections provided i'm to hae the bairn cold after me mrs waddell was confounded on the one hand that was all but declaring the childish heir. on the other adam waddell was rather an uncouth appellation for a young lady but then a movable tale might be tacked to adam she might be adam to him and adamine or adamella or adamintha to the rest of the world and mrs major inwardly chuckled at the proposal though she resolved at the same time to enhance the value of the concession she therefore said why to tell you the truth uncle i'd fixed in my own mind to have our little miss called after the major although he declares she must be named after me but i think andromache is such a beautiful name and so off the common andrew mackays a very good name for her to be sure said uncle adam gravely good gracious uncle such a way of pronouncing andromache however i shall give up all thoughts of that since you are so anxious to have our missy named after you weel said uncle adam with a savage smile that's a settled for you'll no object to a bit trifling addition to the name for it's rather short and pookied. isn't isn't why to tell the truth i think it is and an addition would certainly be an improvement adamintha for instance i like a name that has some meaning int and the name that ye're to call your bairn after me maun be adamant for i can tell baith you and her that adamant you will find me to the last generation of you the natural man here broke out and adam was himself again really uncle you have the oddest ways began the lady affecting to laugh in order to cover her confusion so we shall say no more about it at present i shall leave it to the major and you to settle it and addressing lady Rossville, when it does take place we hope cousin you will be one of the godmothers and favour us with your company on the occasion and i flatter myself your goddaughter will not discredit you dr bambleton says she is without exception the largest and finest child he ever beheld and just her father's picture lady rosville bowed then rose to take her leave and motioned anne to accompany her bless me exclaimed mrs waddell is it possible anne that you are faunting about in a fine open carriage i had no idea you would have done anything so dissipated what will the synod say to that in an affected whisper anne was too meek to retort but uncle adam was always ready to take up the cudgels for the oppressed are you no satisfied wi han a chaise o your ain but you mawn envy your sister poorer thing a ride in other folks envy repeated mrs major with a toss i'm sure i don't know what i should envy her or any one else for as for four horses i could have them whenever i choose but i greatly prefer a pair so what i have to envy i'm sure i don't know with an affected laugh of contempt it's a pity you should be at a loss for something to rack your envy upon said uncle adam as he opened his little old bureau and took out the identical five hundred pound bill he had received from lady Rossville, and which had lain there ever since hey my dear to anne there's something for you to begin the world with see what it is anne looked at the bill and was too much overwhelmed to be able to speak but the glow that overspread her face and the tears of joy that stood in her soft blue eyes spoke volumes uncle adam saw her vainly attempting to thank him and patting her on the shoulder said you needn't a fash to say onything about it so gang your ways hey you a pocket to pit it in and he almost thrust her out at the door mrs waddell was now past speaking she was to have waited for the major whom she had permitted to go to a meeting in the county hall but to wait was impossible she instantly drove off and called the major away from his business to attend to her injuries and consult whether it would not be possible to cognosce uncle adam and get the editor of the morning post put in the pillory so much time had been spent at bellevue and uncle adam's that lady rossville found she had little to bestow upon her aunts she had pleasure however in seeing them and in seeing that in many things she had contributed to their enjoyments their rooms were filled with the choicest flowers and plants from rossville some beautiful scriptural engravings which she had sent them decorated their walls and she had filled an empty space at one end of the room with a pretty bookcase filled with well-chosen books all these things her aunts were at pains to point out to her and to tell her what pleasure her kind considerate gifts had afforded them she pressed them to come to rossville for a few days while her mother and she were quite alone for even lady betty was absent on a visit but aunt mary was too much of an invalid to leave home and her sister never quitted her So with many thanks the kind offer was declined and they parted still more favourably impressed with each other end of section eighty nine